0: э <movies> coolest podcast in the world <laughs> detectives yeah, yeah yeah. i'm just doing that from now on man yeah <laughs> it's mine huh. i never tried to have sex with a kid no no did you see uh adam 22 get like uh he had some dudes on his podcast and they do another i don't know what the normal thing what the thing that they were on there for but they do another youtube channel called PedoBusters. oh yeah and so right in the middle of the thing they were like Yo, man, you know we're the Pedal Busters, so we got to call you out on this. Like, in the middle of a no jumper, he, oh, like, shit. deleted, you know? Damn. He's fast. <laughs> Damn. Uh, man, we had, it was a fucking wild week in Arkansas, dude. Yeah. Little Rock got
1: crushed amazing.
0: by tornadoes. Crushed. Which you don't really, like, we're in a tornado area because there's, like, Oklahoma and Little Rock though, you know, anywhere where it's flat with an interstate can absolutely get crushed by a tornado. And so we were driving around and shit. The tornado sirens were, went off here for hours. Yeah. Seriously, like three hours and you know how people spaz about weather. But we we live in a place where we're surrounded by mountains. So from my understanding of weather, a tornado can't really form it would form like on the other side of the mountains where it's flat where the interstate is and then it couldn't really go over the mountains or it could form in the water which is flat. Yeah, I was watching something on it, it said that the tornado formed in our town but it was definitely like on the outskirts of the mountains so. Yeah, it can't like traverse. Like we're we're basically in it's not a valley but it's like we're the elevation we're not like Colorado elevation but we're more elevated than the surrounding areas so the tornado can't like bounce up and down from what I understand I don't know how the fucking science behind it but I remember that from like earth sciences Yeah, because uh, when I was in Colorado the plains would get crushed all the time but anywhere that was close to the mountains it was always totally fine because of the barometric pressure and shit like a tornado could happen in the sky but it couldn't come and touch down because of the yeah. yeah elevation and yeah. changes in elevation who the fuck knows well, we were fine but a bunch of people in Little Rock got crushed uh, unfortunately I don't think any people that I don't like died yeah but I don't know on yeah. the same hand everyone that I do like was fine so yeah I don't think uh, I think the only person I saw that's cool this house that got crushed was Stan's Uh, man, uh, Brooks, Conan's brother. Yeah, but I think his apartment was fine, but the other apartments around him got taken out. Yeah. So, all good. That sucks. And then another thing that I hate to see when shit like that happens is when people, you know, if you're going to do something to be a good person, you just go out and do it. And it includes businesses, too. Yeah. So individually I saw a lot of people posting about going to help and all the stuff that they're doing and like taking pictures of them doing the help and things like that. Which in a lot of the cases if you're listening to this and you're thinking that I'm talking about you, probably not. It's probably <laughs> an outside party. Yeah. But just people that I I kind of know certifiably suck that are are always oh. doing shit like this. Like wouldn't be Putting in, you know, four hours of work or whatever to help somebody, unless there was like a photo opportunity. Yeah. And then businesses jump on, and like, sure, a lot of them at the bottom of it is an overall sense of compassion and empathy, but then at the same time, Especially as it's g- coming on over a week now where there's just like more and more like, hey, we're doing this and deals and like, well, like there's a definitely a degree of advertising and that ties into the podcast we're doing today because I fell back into the hyper normalization hole. Yeah. And I watched it again. I, w- I think it came out in 2016. Hyper normalization is a documentary by uh, F- Alan Clark. I think the guy <laughs> is he a, he's a nut, huh? Uh no, dude, he's actually like it, it it it's on BBC. And he's like a legit um documentarian, Adam Curtis, that's who. He's a he's a super legit documentarian and he's he's always done like uh He's like a, a kind of he was like a punk dude and he's he did a lot of uh documentaries d- during like the collapse of the Soviet Union. And all of his shit is like kind of uh it's a very unique way of filming things. I watched the... After I watched Hypernormalization, I went back and watched through some of his other shit to to kind of see... Because this is like a culmination of a lot of footage that he had taken over the years. And I watched... Uh, I can't... I don't know what's wrong with my brain. I'm looking on... Uh... YouTube right now to see the names of his fucking documentaries. Anyway, he ma- he made one about the fall of the Soviet Union which was insanely interesting because he's like in Russia and I'm just trying to elaborate the way that he makes films. So he's filming several different groups of people like uh politicians, businessmen, poor people uh bodybuilders women competing in beauty contests uh, waiters and waitresses he spends a lot of time with them and then he does a really great job at like stitching the footage together to kind of tell a story so while he's narrating in the soviet union one what's going on with the fall of the soviet union it's like 45 second clips of each person that he spent time with, as opposed to just like focusing on one yeah. story at a time. So he's telling the overall story. And as he's explaining like what's going on with the fall, of the Soviet union and the kind of end of communism in Russia and how everything's like falling apart. And they've like kind of given the reins of the government to businesses You can watch how it's affecting each person's life. Some not at all. Some are like business dudes who are like turned completely criminal and are cashing out as much as they can before the whole thing goes dick up. And then politicians like how much they're sweating or – the most interesting thing about the Soviet Union, and it talks about this in hyper-normalization too, is that it had sucked there for so long because the original idea of the Soviet Union was like, okay – What we've noticed is that every other place in the world is ruled by a governing body that doesn't have people's best interest in mind. We want to give the world a model on a utopia and show how we can all live with the same things and live in harmony. But obviously it got corrupted, fell the shit and people had lived with such limited resources, with the promise of things getting better for generations and the entire society had gotten to a point where they just did not give a fuck about literally anything. Yeah. Anything. So like all the people that he talks to, they just did. And it's not like your uncle who's like, well, they can come to my house and try to take my guns. I don't give a fuck. It's just like a blank. It's like a withdrawn complete nihilism Uh, with you know completely apathetic yeah like nothing matters like do we have food today who gives a fuck With without any emotion attached to it yeah so it's a but you also had to like pretend like everything was cool you couldn't speak ill of of the country yeah but then that had gone by the time the 80s came around that had been such that, that it worked for the government because that it didn't exist that was hardly a thing that's what I'm saying is, like, any any channel of, like, aggression or disagreement, or anything that required you to care had just been totally fucking beaten out of these people. And it's sad to see, but then, like, the insane place that Russia became after that. Here nor there. I was just kind of giving a little background on this documentary, style, And he, he had uh, done a lot... Um, of things about like the rise of terrorism and the roots of terrorism and a hyper-normalization is like a culmination of everything that he already learned making documentaries. And the main theme here, which goes completely along with almost everything we ever end up to the root conclusion of, especially when it comes to politics or world events is that reality is completely fictional. Yeah. It's all made up. And this came out around 2016, and that was when uh, we were like munching mushrooms and taking acid a decent amount. And I watched it on acid one time. It's just a lot to take in. So I just remember being stressed out and like blown away by what I'm hearing. Because it's, it's, not, it's not Alex Jones style. It's not, it's not like a prediction. Um, it's not like gloom and doom. It's not like giving any advice. It's not telling you what's going to happen, or what could happen. It's simply presenting facts. Yeah. So it's just he's he uh, Adam Curtis just does an, a super sick job of making a thorough narrative of how individuals overcame politics and governments. And found ways to control the population and alter reality through media and then eventually through cyberspace to distort our perception of what is happening in the world. And, you know, again, it's not like, well, we didn't go to the moon or uh, Obama is... uh, Rothschild, who was, who was Tears of oh, My Real Father. Oh, uh, I can't remember, but some, some dude that was like tied with the CIA white guy, and then his daughter bangs some communist black dude. And yeah, it's, it's a CIA not, there's no cons- There's no conspiracy theories. Yeah. It's just facts, and he puts it in a timeline of, here's where it started, here's where it is now. And it so it came out in 2016. So it's kind of wrapping up to when Trump is getting elected the first time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the overview. That's what we're talking about this week. So crime of the week this week is, uh, you know, fucking rich people. Pulling the wool over our eyes. Crazy. And then my albums of the week. Album of the week, I had to go with two because I had a two very different paths this week. And one, since we don't do album reviews right now, is something that we have not given enough attention to. And I think it's quite possibly the greatest EP of the fucking 21st century. Ten Scoops, The Lifter Zone. Yeah. Man, it is. Uh, so the dude, I found out about Ten Scoops. The guy runs an Instagram page called Dark Iron Gains which is one of the best Instagram follows, especially you don't even have to lift weights to appreciate the absurd posts that he makes, Uh, but great page. And then probably it had to have been over a year ago. He posts like a song that he had made. And I didn't say every once in a while, one of those videos would have a snippet of like some pretty decent slam or hardcore. It was like the guy's obviously into like something cool. So I played it and was fucking blown out of the water. And I think it was just the dude at the time. And now he's got a full band and uh, they had a new single just come out, but the lifter zone is a great EP. It's one of those bands where I hesitate to call it a joke but there is definitely like uh, the through line is it's all about lifting weights. Yeah. But it also is a lot about hypernormalization, essentially, like how we live in a false reality. Yeah. Which there's like a pocket. I'm almost intrigued to get TikTok because I think most of these videos that I watch on Instagram are come up on TikTok first and then they get piped over. Yeah. But there's like a pocket of Instagram that i guess the easiest way to find it is to go to like esoteric or schizophrenic lifting and there's several pages under those umbrellas that follow that criteria that are just like (laughs) taking the most insane conspiracy theories and weaving through civilization and somehow intertwining that with bodybuilding yeah yeah Highly entertaining, and Dark Iron Gains was one of the first ones of those I found out about. So, luckily, thanks to that, I found out about 10 Scoops. I hope that they put a single out because they've got a full length record come out, because I really would love to hear that. Second album of the week that is, uh, came out in 2020 is Disco 4 by Health. Been banging that. That's a good one. And I could, I almost went with Perturberator. Because that's what sent me down that path. Yeah. Because I I'd heard Health before and I knew I liked it, but I kind of forgot about them. And then I was listening to Perturbator a decent amount and Health popped up on the thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I remember this now. I, I ran through theirs. And I think the best one that they've come out with so far, they just do, like they write songs. They're a full band, but then they have like other well-known artists. Like uh, Disco Part 4, for example, has got Ghost Mane, Youth Code, Full of Hell, Soft Moon, Zuzu, No Life. Bunch of good shit. That's my Albums of the Week. Definitely check out Health. Check out Ten Scoops. I don't know why I had a fucking brain fart in the middle of that, but... I also got? got two of them, too. Uh, it's new. It just came out. Uh, the new Gatekeeper uh, from Western Shores. Just traditional heavy metal shit, but it's it's done the right way. It's a 50-minute long album. Normally, I don't like that shit, but it, it's got a lot of catchy shit on it. The vocal performance is pretty fucking sick. It's kind of similar to Eternal Champion in some ways. but uh, I meant to check that out. I wasn't in the mood for that the other day, but yeah. I knew it was probably good because you said... And then um, on the opposite end of 10 scoops, these dudes are probably pretty serious. (laughs) And and it's just ridiculous, but it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you just kind of listen to something stupid and hard. And uh, it's a band called Swear to God, Shut Your Mouth, Just Fucking Beat Down. Oh, yeah. Chuggy Hardcore. Yeah, that shit is good. But. Before we dive into the thick of things, because it's probably not going to be funny, if I can make it punchlines at any point, I'd be glad to, but it really cooked my mind. Uh, hypernormalization, that is. I had two hilarious things happen this week that I was able to somehow keep from you so I could save it for the podcast. All right. The first one is something that I'm being very vulnerable by admitting because I just went on a fucking rant about this last week, which is probably what planted the seed in my head to do it in the first place. So... If you have been following along, I've had like a gnarly, either piriformis or bulging disc or something that just cranked my sciatic nerve. Well, as a result of that, not only had I not been able to bang for a couple of weeks, like for one, I can't, I can't, I can't like push my hips forward to stroke yeah. and I can't have her get on top because it's like mashing my hips down. Can't get a boner. I can. Well, that's kind of what I was worried about, but like normally my drive to bust is insatiable. Yeah. I can't go like three days is pretty much where I'm like, this has to happen. Yeah. And it just hasn't been that way. So I got kind of worried and I wanted to crank one to make sure. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't make myself get hard. Yeah. So I decided like, I'm going to watch porn. Yeah. In the shower. Nice. Smack one out. No one's perfect. Everyone falters from time to time. Yeah. It happened to me this week. And so... Uh, both our kids were at friends' houses. My wife was home, cleaning the house. I get in the shower, fire it up, looking through stuff, click on a video. No sounds coming out. Ha <laughs> ha. And I didn't really like I would have just turned it all the way down, but I didn't really know. Like normally, like as soon as you push play, one of those ads are like, oh, my God, I'm going to fucking cream. You have to click right now and see if you can last five minutes with me getting fucking railed. Click on browsers or, you know, like they just blast right away, like on purpose to get you caught or whatever. Like to get probably to make you have an emotional spike. So you buy whatever it's selling. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Of course. I want to come right now. Yeah. Then what, Jackie starts banging on the bathroom door. And is like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, fuck. So, yeah, I just blasted. And my grandpa's over there, too. Oh, was he hot? <laughs> so <laughs> I had just been <laughs> blasting porn over the Bluetooth speaker that she had just turned on. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I like when that happens. I mean. What were you watching? Uh, I just, it was just a lady getting railed. Like, I just looked. It was on the front page. And the first three things that popped up in the thing were very unappealing. One was a girl, like the first video, I don't know, like I haven't looked at Pornhub in forever. So I don't know if it's like what they're trying to suggest that you might enjoy yeah, or if it's just like, here's what's popular, but it was just like a little lady getting fucking double penetrated. Nice. And I don't like, I don't want to watch two guys going at a lady. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, I went, yeah, I think, but anyway, it was like a, a pretty, a, a lady of ample size, not, you know, like a, you know, a thick lady, a nice, what I would like in a lady yeah, getting yeah, drilled. That's all just simple, big black ones. No, no. I said what I would like. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice white lady. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so uh, I did get hard, but I didn't get a finished fucking jerking. And then, you know, I banged a couple days later. But yeah, it just crushed my sex drive. But yeah. because I had tried and it just hurt. Like, I had, like, but the time before that, that it happened, I just had to sit there and deal with it. Like, I grinded it out from the bottom and was just like, I got to stop. This is yeah. annihilating my back. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It's taking away coming down on you and getting the, kind of the only thing I care about is being sucked away from me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. Yeah, two things. Oh, d- yeah. Dude, my kids had the, probably the funniest fight that I've ever been witness to. Uh, first of all, my daughter, I've talked about before, just getting nasty. Yeah. Like, she's not really mean, but when she says mean things, they're extremely cutting. That's yeah. the thing is, like, she's not mean. She's super nice. But then when she says something mean, you're just like, God damn, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, so it's, like, way worse. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, she's nasty. And uh, I don't know what she said to my son, but I'm certain it was something way over the line because that's what she's been up to is just saying shitty stuff. As soon as, you know, she's faced with adversity, she just cuts it down. You're like, well, I know where you get that from, but knock it off. Yeah. And uh, so I just hear them fighting. And I go to, to, you know, break it up and figure out what's going on. So Sven had also, you know, so he woke up um, – Tried to, so th- th- we, they have one hair dryer that they share. I don't know why he likes to blow, you know, you know how fucking kids are. He likes to blow dry his hair. And, yeah. And we have a blow dryer in our bathroom. So my wife's using hers. My daughter's using the other one. He's waiting for a hairdryer. So he can't get it in the time that he wants to. So he's mad. And then he keeps trying to get into my daughter's bathroom. They're arguing outside of the door. She steps out of the bathroom. He goes in and takes a shit while she's in the middle of getting ready. So he sits there for like 15 minutes. And she's 13 years old trying to do her makeup and hair and all that shit before school. So she's losing her fucking mind. Yeah. And then I'm trying to calm her down and he comes out and I'm like, what were you doing there? He's like, I don't know. I had to poop right now. It's like, well, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really take it away from him, you know? Yeah. So yeah, he fucking nuked her with thirds. And then the icing on the cake was kind of hashed it out and she's freaking out cause she's late. And so she lifts the toilet lid up to go pee and he didn't flush. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So really just shut her whole fucking day down. Showed her how big the mouth was, man. That's what I like to do. And man. then even better, dude, he spazzed the next day. Uh, rage cried because he was like pressing so uh they get take their their mom takes him to school every day and he was kind of dragging ass after he had been trying to rush them to get there faster Mm -hmm. and so he came back inside for whatever reason he decided he wanted some protein i was like okay man whatever And then in the time that he came in to get a shaker cup and a scoop of protein, my wife had driven around the block. So that way when he came outside, she wasn't there. Classic prank that she was going to pull up. So he walked outside and then she pulled right up and he fucking threw his backpack at the car and fully spashed. And I mean, rage cried, was so furious that he's screaming and crying. <laughs> Hormones, man. Yeah, it's been it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like watching them do it. It's just like watching dogs do dumb shit where you're just like, fuck, man. It's like, I really want to get in your ass, but I just know that's just what dogs are up to. Yeah. You know? I mean, none of them really. Yeah, I don't know. That was just my fucking wild shit that's happened to me this week. These kids being funny. But leave, they're leaving the shit, like, you just see. I know, like, I'm one of the nastiest humans that ever, has ever lived. Yeah. And just to see that trickle down in the two other human beings. Yeah, my son does that sometimes. Like, I've you surely know. not taught them that. Well, he didn't, he did it on purpose. He didn't do it because, yeah. like, he forgets to flush. No, no, no. This motherfucker does it just to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he knew that she was, you know, he just wanted to ruin her day. Yeah, That's yeah, all it was. Yeah. Psychological fucking warfare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Triggered it ready in my crap. Yeah, man. Well. Hypernormalization. let's take a deep dive into this motherfucker i actually made notes which if you've i don't know how long you've listened to this podcast if you go way back to the beginning i used to like pour through documentaries and write notes And i don't know if it was better or worse but it was a lot of work and i would just a bunch adderall and uh my life kind of fucking sucked in so i would just stay up late as shit writing fucking notes and getting it ready yeah. i don't know what i was thinking but uh i i took notes on this one just because it's so much going on. It's telling the same story, but there's so many facets of it that if you skip over one part, which I f- certainly will do, you should just watch it. I'm giving my take on it. So you can watch it and also hear what I have to say about it. It's it's also not something you can really spoil. So if you haven't seen it, it's not like you should shut this off and go watch that and then come back because it's all historical information. It's all yeah. shit that's happened. So uh, It's a nice companion to it is what I'm trying to do, the way I'm coming at it. And just how much it melted my brain. Because again, I watched it on acid. Because used to, when I would take mushrooms, too intense to like sit and try to decipher anything. Yeah. Acid is like lasts way longer, but doesn't crush you as hard. Yeah, it's like Adderall with neon lights. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So I could like sit down... If if, it, if I couldn't be outside, what I liked to do on acid is to just watch like documentaries that'll make you go, wow. Yeah. And this one did that and it was too kind of too much to follow. But I remember like the main points of it and just being like, man, they really are doing this. And uh, to me, what I take out of this before I start spitting any of the facts out, and I'm only saying this to say like I'm going to skip over some stuff because I'm a podcaster. I'm not a bbc journalist so don't expect the best if i miss something i don't care if you tell me but don't be like look here dumbass like everyone always does uh fuck i crushed myself on that my brain
1: well, that oh the
0: so my takeaway from hypernormalization is a, th- a thought that i espouse a lot anyway which is kind of the occam's razor approach Which is not so much that I'm looking at the world through a lens of there's like an evil race of lizard people or demons or some sort of outside nefarious force that is influencing a group of human beings to do evil things. The most logical reason that I think people want to control the population is simply money. Yeah. Yeah. The entire world is turned into looking at everything as a commodity, including human beings. And what hypernormalization doesn't get to, which is something that's that's it touches on it a little bit, but since 2016, which is crazy because it's only you know seven years ago, or when he you know probably eight or nine years since he actually finished the documentary up, uh, that social media has evolved so much that you can really see the commodification of people by how many all these companies profit off of selling our personal information yeah, and feeding us ads. And he does the, the end of this does get into like why algorithms are what they are, what they've done, what they're trying to do. And when he's talking about them, it's funny to look back on because at the time, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they thought the most successful thing for them to do to keep users and engage new users was to only pipe in things that you like to make an echo chamber for yourself. So whatever you agreed with and liked, that's the only thing that you would see. So sure, you kind of would live in an echo chamber if you got everything that you wanted to know about the world off of social media, but it's done a drastic turn since then, because what we know is that actually the entire purpose of these algorithms and what you're fed is to elicit an emotional response and anger is easier to achieve than happiness. So what we really see, and this was a probably a shift. It probably was all, I, I remember social media being way more enjoyable around that time. Yeah. So I'm sure it did happen to where there was a shift where it was like, well, let's just fucking piss everybody off and show them horrible shit and things that they hate and then flash products in their face. Yeah. Because to get you emotional, again, is way easier to do with anger, sadness, resentment than it is with like showing you things that you like. You already know you like them. It's hard to elicit joy out of somebody. It's a much harder emotion to tap into without being face to face with somebody. So... this starts off uh kind of towards the end of the soviet union and there's a lot the cold war is is dying down and there's a lot of jockeying between america and other powerful countries that are on the world stage since the ussr is kind of out of the question and The first clash he kind of brings up in the documentary is Assad, who's the president of Syria. And his whole idea at this time is he wants to unite all the Arab nations and rise up against the West. Yeah. So he wants to cut out all the bickering and fighting between like Iraq and Iran, uh, Palestine and Israel, and just get everybody in peace talks. And use political process to come together and take action against a much greater enemy from what he saw. Yeah. And then basically his arch nemesis is Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Who I think we all know. And mm-hmm. if you ever seen Doctor Strangelove, the dude in the wheelchair that's like explaining nuclear weapons and how and why they work and what you can do with them is kind of modeled after Henry Kissinger. He's like a whiny sack of shit. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. But he is the guy that throughout the Cold War <coughs> basically came up with the idea of of look, we have we all have these nuclear weapons. So <coughs> when somebody fires when somebody fires back, it's the end of humanity. And so he was probably the most important figure to start using that as a looming threat and then use the threat of the threat to make things move the way that he and his associates wanted to politically. So when they can say, Look, Russia wants to wipe us off the face of the earth and we have to be ready and we have to stay vigilant. We're ready at any time to fire back at Russia or even fire on Russia before they can fire on us. So in your day to day life, you never know what could happen. Yeah, we could be. Wiped off the planet tomorrow, so. Be vigilant, be on your toes, be afraid. Here's five advertisements on the evening news for Chex Mix and Jell-O and Tupperware. Yeah. I've been watching uh there's this like really cool Instagram page. I think it's called like 90s Nostalgia Rewind or something like that, but they'll play like uh Like, towards the end of a fucking cartoon or a show that you used to watch from the 90s and then they'll just show, like, the commercials. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, it's pretty fucking cool, man. It's, like, man, there was a lot of shit that was pretty fucking ill. Yeah. Some of it's fun to look back on, but then also there was some really fucking unhinged products. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, 70s commercials, dude, would be, like, we all know and love Jell-O. But many of you may not know that you could actually take canned tuna, peas, carrots, mashed potatoes, and coat them in lemon jello. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, Bill Cosby was laying the groundwork for his international rape. Yeah. Organization with Pudding Pops. Those Pudding Pops commercials, when you know what happened. Oh, yeah. Looking back. Real creepy. Well, I do like a banana pudding pop. Yeah, they don't make them anymore. Yeah, yeah. But just to have that dude be like, Oh, hello, America. Is your day not going the way you wanted it to? Well, you could reach into the freezer and grab a chocolate pudding pop right now and turn the frown to upside the down. The then he was also the teacher on Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Ghost Ed. Yeah. He was out there, bro. Yeah. Raising a family. Which is, jack is what he was up to. Raping? Jacking. Oh. Around people who should have been jacking. I think he was doing worse than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was using their body to jack himself. Yeah, pretty much. He was was on the uh, front end of uh, human fleshlight technology. (laughs) How How do I turn this bitch into a fleshlight, you see? Ooh. I'm tired of you breathing and talking and moving around, and I just want to use your hole for about five minutes here. Give me this slam ham. <laughs> Kissinger jockeying with Assad. Kissinger essentially starts meddling wherever he can with Israel, with Libya, with Syria. Basically, doing like office gossip. Where, you know, you go to work, and there's a group of you that doesn't like one person. So you all just sit around and talk about how much this person stinks. Likewise, that person's probably doing the same thing. That person goes, "Hey, did you hear that? Fucking Tammy forgot to put a tampon in and bled all over the office chair." Nice. And then you're like, "That's so Tammy." And then your fucking cubicle mates over there lapping it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. That just, would be the cubicle That's made. pretty much what's going on in the Middle East. It's Kissinger just like, hey, you guys know how much America rocks. I know you don't really like us with the whole Sharia law thing, but just imagine if we bought more of your oil and blessed you with some of these sweet dollars. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that Assad guy, kind of a fag. Yeah? How so? That's what he's saying. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Kissinger. Oh, yeah. Kissinger's a huge bud. Is he still alive? Probably. He's like one of those dudes that would never die. Like that one fucking Rothschild that had five heart transplants. Yeah. Just have enough money to keep rolling. God, that's crazy. Roll through anything. Like a fucking. MRAP. Shit. (laughs) So. Shortly after this is when Reagan gets elected. And the shift. In American culture at that time. Is so fast, and the, what I love about hypernormalization hitting it is it happens really fast in the documentary too. It's just kind of a blip because it was kind of a blip. Like we went from, I mean, World War Two is in the nineteen forties, and then America just kind of focused on America after that. Really, just like we rock. Let's make as much money as we can. Let's do the stock market shit. Everyone gets rich. Everyone's happy. Everyone's living. Everyone's comfortable. Like the trajectory of America from the 50s to the 80s is bananas. Yeah. Like 80s is where it kind of went bust. But dude, people were fucking cranking it in the 80s. Yeah. Cranking it in the 70s. The 60s was like on the way there. The 60s was like, fuck all this old shit that we've been fucking puritanism and all this bullshit we've been dealing with. Let's do whatever we want to. And then someone reminded them, like, you could do whatever you want to, but you can also make money. Yeah. And it just took off, dog. Yeah, man. Cocaine and cool cars. Disco. Fucking Zuba's pants. Yep. uh, Stringer tank tops. Yeah. Fanny packs. Sure. Fucking Pit Vipers before they were called Pit Vipers. Yeah, those were the, uh, they were um, fucking Oakleys. Gecko from Hawaii. They still got that? Yeah, it's back for sure. they make the fucking pants too. Those are the pants, man. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, me and Buddy, we got to get like 80s, early 90s bodybuilder fits. Yeah, yeah. What an era. I also watched Blood and Guts this week from Dorian Yates. If you really want to peek into 80s, he's not from America, but I feel like bodybuilding is a very American thing. Yeah. If you want to take a real look into 80s, Lifestyle. Just watch Dorian Yates, Blood and Guts. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the full outfit down and then, you know, just screaming in a fucking gym. But when, around the time Reagan got elected under his administration, we decided. And before I say this, also, like, there's never been a time when America did not want to take over the entire world. Yeah. That's always, like, on the back burner. And it's always, we're always trying to get in where we can and have influence where we can, and and uh, kind of pull the strings where we can. Which is why, you know, the Russia Ukraine thing right now is even happening. It's just non nonstop American meddling. We just get into everything, and it seems like there's no good reason. But for the people that are actually in charge, there's great reason. Yeah. Now, when Reagan and his administration team come on board, the shift becomes like and he's given speeches on, about this all the time. Like they would just have Reagan talking in the Oval Office on TV all the time. He's just going on and on about. We're America. Throughout history, most people have never had a taste of freedom. And in the history of freedom, we've had most of it because we're the greatest country and now it's our duty to give the rest of the world what we have, yeah <clears throat> and now, living beyond that, I mean I wasn't alive for that, but you know living through that era and where we're at now, you can see how it didn't really work out, yeah, for us, but it worked it definitely worked out for them. I mean it's just. Uh, Conflict and turmoil and and control. But to get people on board. You, they didn't want what happened in Vietnam. They didn't want that scale of protesting and the morale of America to be in the toilet. So what they had to do is figure out how can we get into these conflicts and basically print money to throw at these problems that we're making up. How do we get Americans on board with that? And that's basically Team America. Yeah. Like, dude, you know how much it stinks in Russia right now? You know who could fix it? We're real pieces of shit if we just sit here and let that happen. You see that uh, Japan partnered with with Russia for gas? Yeah, that's not good, probably. No. Who knows? Yeah. Now they got some money. They're supposed to be our friend. I would love to see uh, Japan and Germany reunion arc. Yeah, I like to see them get back together. Looking for aliens and shit. Yeah, in the Ark of the Covenant, (laughs) fucking dropping planes on people. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and once uh, this starts to kick into action, it just follows the track that Kissinger's laid down, like a Hot Wheels car. So the first shit we get involved in. Is an Israeli Palestinian conflict. It's an area that's been fought over since the dawn of time. Yeah. Because they both think that their Messiah lived and died there. And from this documentary, I kind of learned even deeper than that. There's a a lot of jockeying from outside countries, us on the side of Israel. Uh, Syria on the side of Palestine. So I knew that they'd always been at war, but in modern times, I didn't really understand like where the conflict kind of came from and boiled over to. I thought they were literally just fighting over like Jesus's hometown. Yeah. Well, when Assad's there again, what they're all working towards is peace. So Israel and Palestine, they do have like breakout battles all the time citizen to citizen, near the border, army to army. And then they continue peace talks. So they're trying to come up with like an ethical, political solution. So to use a military might, that boils over because America kind of shows support for Israel. And we get in there because Israel has taken a bunch of Palestinian militants into a concentration camp. And also aiding Israel are other countries that are in the area that instead of being Muslim are Christian. So they're fighting alongside Israel, but they're militia. It's like Azov Battalion in Ukraine. Like Azov Battalion has actually been accepted as a part of the Ukrainian military, but there was a time when they weren't. And it's like Ukraine is fighting Russia And the Azov Battalion is, like, people from different countries and Ukraine that have come together to decide, like, you know, it's a neo-Nazi cell that has decided, like, yeah, well, these people are, like, against our beliefs, so we'll fight alongside of you. Even though we're not in line with you, you're more in line with us than they are, so we're going to help you kick their ass. Yeah. Well, there's a camp with all their prisoners of war, and... Israel's in charge of them. They're supposed to be not only, like, you know, taking care of them like you would a prisoner, but keeping them safe from outside threat, which is kind of, since World War II happened, when you have prisoners of war, you can't, like, let somebody else come in. So they did. They allowed these Christian militias to come in and just wipe out all the prisoners. Yeah. And Israel... So they, you know, they uh, were able to illustrate like, hey, the soldiers were there. They just stood there and watched them get massacred. They didn't intervene whatsoever. Damn. So then America is like, okay, this is getting crazy. We're going to come over to keep the peace. And Assad's going, this is the conspiracy I was talking about where the Jews and America are trying to get together to wipe us out. Yeah. That's why we all need to come together to fight against them. Damn. At the same time, there had been a revolution in Iran and this dude, Ayatollah Khomeini had taken over. So they have now gone to Iran at this point was in a theocracy. Khomeini's a uh, Muslim leader, revolutionary, booted the government out, took over to implement Sharia law. Yeah. Pretty nasty dude. Yeah. He comes up with this idea. So, in the Quran, one of the greatest sins is suicide. But one of the best things you can do is sacrifice yourself as a martyr for a law. Specifically in the Quran, it says it would have to happen on the battlefield, fighting against Allah's enemy at the time that Allah chooses. Yeah. So Khomeini decides, I'm going to work around this. So they have like a celebration that they do for one of the Muslim saints. It's like a festival. They go out in the streets and they flog themselves with whips. Not like really do it. Like in Da Vinci Code where that one fucking albino freak is really cranking himself with that glass whip and shit. But they just like, you know, kind of like dance around and slap themselves with like a little whip thing. He takes that. And how that was a martyr and a saint and twist that form of you honoring that saint by way of punishing yourself, twist that into dying and taking as many enemies with you as possible is the ultimate sacrifice for a law. Yeah. It's actually not suicide. It's you engaged in war with our enemy. So Iran's first way of doing that is they rounded up 10,000 kids. They go to war with Iraq. Iraq is beating their ass because they're far superior technologically because we gave them weapons. The Mujahideen, where uh, Bush Sr. funded the war in the Middle East, and we went over and taught them how to use weapons and gave them weapons. This is before that. This is before, this is Reagan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not the same thing. Similar principle. We've been giving stuff to Iraq. Yeah. So Iraq, their strategy is that there's desert in between them so they make minefields so the soldiers can't cross the minefields and iraq has got superior long distance weaponry so where their battalion forms to try to challenge iraq they get wiped out because they don't have missiles and shit like that yeah iraq has missiles so iran decides fuck it we're going to take 10,000 kids and just send them into the minefields, blow up all the mines, yeah, and then we can that. rush in and engage them in combat and not get blown up. So the soldiers can fight. They don't get blown up. But the kids who can't fight, they just get blown up. They're sacrificing themselves to Allah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. And that was so shocking to Iraq that Iraq pulled back. Yeah. It's not because they were getting their ass beat. It's because they're watching kids blow themselves up, and they're like, it's not worth it. Hell no. Yeah, that's fucked up. So Assad sees this, knows that he is out muscled in all angles, actually has a sit down meeting with Kissinger in Syria to try to sort some shit out. And Kissinger essentially rolls in and is like, no, fuck you. No one likes you. You're on your own. You're trying to fucking overthrow us. Well, none of your neighboring countries want anything to do with you because you're a bitch. So Assad's entire plan is down the toilet. Yeah. So he goes, okay, if... It's not going to happen like this. It's going to happen through brutality. And takes the idea of Komini and people blowing themselves up for the good of the government a step further. and says, this, but strap a bomb to yourself. Yeah. So you rush in set off a bomb that we could have normally not got in there. He calls it the poor man's nuke. Yeah. God damn. So he links up with some of Khomeini's people, which is actually the first time we'll ever hear about Hezbollah. And they, a group of them strap bombs themselves, run into a Marine base in Beirut and kill 241 Americans, which of course causes Reagan to, form a military response and then you can get a real look at how these fucking government political plays plan out because they want to get as many allies as they can in the area America does and Syria they both and Syria does both sides of it do want to get as many, as many people on their side as they can by any means possible. And Reagan comes up with this idea. I mean, Reagan's administration comes up with this idea where one, we're going to have to make Assad pay for that. So they just bombed the fuck out of Syria. Yeah. Instantly. 241 dead Americans. We're not going to take that. We're going to wipe your shit out. Yeah. Cripple Syria. Then that's the first time we kind of hear as a country about social unrest in the Middle East. And we find out that like, still to this day, the idea that these Muslims hate us because we're free is where it all sparks off at. And to really crank that fire, Reagan decides that he needs another ally in the region. And he winds up with one Muammar Gaddafi, Mm. who we talked a little bit about on the Dictators episode, who's a fucking nut. He himself was a revolutionary. He worked for years and succeeded in toppling the government, taking over, becoming an absolute dictator. And his country is like one of those countries that you could easily make a parody movie about because it's so absurd the way it runs yeah, and the way he talks. And he's one of these dudes that's such a powerful psychopath that he doesn't really see himself as like the ruler of Libya. He thinks of himself as the guy that's going to fix the world. Like look at all these problems Libya had. Well, I came in here with my fucking... Flowing regalia and fancy barrette collection. Nice goatee. Told them to fuck off. I'm going to do that everywhere else. With my ideas. So he thinks he's some type of fucking political genius. Who's going to end up controlling most of the world. Even though Libya barely has resources. Yeah. Huh. Reagan decides to. Get him to essentially say. I'm with America on this one. And then he can go and be like, not everyone in the Middle East is bad. So don't think of it like that. Here's our friend, Colonel Muammar Gaddafi. And then like, in the meantime, (laughs) Gaddafi is, he doesn't they don't have weapons really. He loves revolutions. He's a revolutionary. So he's like funding other revolutionary things. He gives money to the i r a to boot England. He fucking hates England. He spent a bunch of time in England and oh, just yeah. thought it was like the the whole idea of like how their monarchy works was dog shit. He doesn't like he probably got tired of being called a packy the whole time. yeah <laughs> he's a rich dude, you know, obviously ruling the country, but he didn't start out like that, so he really hates rich people. he hates pomp and circumstance. he doesn't like to see excessive opulent spending like he lives he stays in a tent most of the time to show that he's like humble and down to earth yeah even though he dresses wild as fuck but he he doesn't want to make himself to his people seem like he is an extravagant person so in england him seeing that he's disgusted by the ruling class Rubbing it in people's faces. Sure. So that's why he gives money to the IRA to kick England out of Ireland. And then in that same breath, he gets linked up with, uh, oh, my God. Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam (laughs) and tells pledges to them that he will send weapons to 400,000 black soldiers to topple the American government. Oh, and that's why it's after the news is making him seem like he's on America's side. Yeah. He loves attention and he especially loves it. When people will give him the cadence of being this like progressive genius. Sure. Who's going to solve problems. That's what he likes. So anyone that will give him that audience. And what's crazy is when he talked to Louis Farrakhan, dude, they did a fucking telecast in like a fucking stadium in Chicago. So it's like all these, all the nation of Islam, that's some type of national meeting. So there's thousands of them in this fucking arena and they get, they have like a, you know, a big arena screen and they pipe Gaddafi's wild ass in to just be like, you know, the American government won't recognize you as citizens. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dog, it's the (laughs) eighties. Like, sure. They've had you know tons of problems, and they're, they're they have a you know shittier hand than a, a white guy would. But you know nobody's saying what he's saying, yeah. so he just doesn't he doesn't know what's going on. He just has an audience. Yeah. So obviously he didn't arm <coughs> the nation of Islam. It's just an insane moment in history to look back on. I mean you can just see what he's up to. He's he's a fucking rabble rouser. No, kind of going back here, but because we're talking about suicide bombings. Have you ever seen that video? I, yeah, I think it's like it's somewhere in Europe, but this dude just runs up on some political official and he's got a bomb strapped to him, and all the security guys wrap him up and they get blown the fuck up. Man. Whoa! It's no, insane. I have, dude, like pieces flying fucking everywhere. You can see a dude's head coming at the camera, like arms and shit flying everywhere. It's fucking nuts, man. Ooh. Yeah, they say the other, they say that political dude, but it's like. That, that was your job. Your job was to get blown up. That was pretty much it. That job sucks. Fuck that, man. Yeah, dude. Imagine Secret Service sucks. I bet I bet that, I bet that dude's job. family got caked the fuck out, though. Yeah, probably. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't remember who said it to me, but it was fucking nuts, man. Dude, speaking of wild bombing videos, have you seen that sexy Russian spy blowing up that cafe? Uh-uh. Bro. So like... From what I gathered is that it's uh, some type of Russian dissonant uh, is having like a meetup in a cafe. Yeah. Like a fucking grassroots, you know, like a fucking internet group. Like if your Facebook group decided like, yo, let's meet up. Something like that's going on. And the government knows about it. So they send the spy and who's smoking hot. So the video you can like see her go in. And then as she's coming out, like a fucking James Bond movie, she's walking away from the building and it just, boom, God damn. wipes them all out. <laughs> Man, charge will get you. <laughs> and she's so hot too, dude. dude. <laughs> Charged. I got it, dude. You know, if I, what's the, what do you call it when your wife lets you bang somebody else a hall pass? A uh, hall pass. I finally yeah. found my hall pass. If I could bang, if my wife would let me bang one other person, if I should ever come across them, everyone, you know, if someone would be like, just pick a celebrity that you're yeah. never gonna run into. But if the opportunity arises for you to fuck that celebrity, so be it. Which is a shitty deal to make. And yeah, I, yeah, nobody yeah. has that deal. But anyway, let's say hypothetically I had that opportunity. Let me get a sexy Russian spy. Yeah, what's that? That's my choice. Yeah. You a know hot, a, a, a hot Russian assassin. Are they a creamy culture? I don't know, dude, but they just they got dangerous pussy. Yeah. It's an assassin. Yeah, I love the banging yeah, assassin, dude. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they don't have their brains not wired the same way, man. That uh 007 Goldeneye movie with that real hot Russian girl, yeah, Ooh-hoo-hoo. that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, just yeah, something yeah. like that, bro. She is tight and creamy, somebody cold. She like tries to get these guys, she's like gonna try to fuck them, and then she just wraps her legs around her head and snaps her neck, yeah. Kind of, kind of acting like they're going to go down on her and then she just fucking cracked Yeah, it see, right? she couldn't do that to me, so I would just munch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then where this will differentiate from this documentary, too, is he does a lot of, like, splicing and other things that are happening at the time. I'll just wrap up this Assad thing. So, or, and Gaddafi. Um, so... Terrorists storm the Roman airport and light everybody up. Just open fire. Take out a bunch of people. I think eight Americans died. Because of what Gaddafi's been doing in the background after they tried to make him a good guy. America simply decides with no information. Oh, Libya is responsible for this. When in fact, Syria, Assad, 100 percent. Responsible for it, did it, would admit it. So, because of that, now they can send Gaddafi back to being a bad guy, always oh, a traitor. He turned on us, just like WWF. Yeah. I thought he was good, but he turned heel on me, brother. Yeah. Me and the macho man were like brothers, man. We were close, brother. And for him to turn his back on the holster like that, brother, it just cuts me up. Yeah. Yeah. So, we impose all the sanctions on Libya. Now Libya is cut off from the rest of the world. They can't sell whatever product they have. They can't, uh, everyone in the UN closes their embassy and leaves. They have no outside help. They're on their own. And we're going to leave them to stew there for a while. Sure. Meanwhile, Assad continues his reign of terror he dies, his son takes over, and you'll remember when Obama tried to get America to go to war. Everybody was like, no. Yeah, and that's why, you know, it's it was like a, a kind of what part of the thing that made the government really start to clamp down on the Internet, pay more attention to it than they were. Now, they've been paying attention to it since the, the, before it was the internet, which we'll talk about a little bit here in a second, when it was called cyberspace and it was just the connection of computers as opposed to what we have now. Um, but Obama wanted to take Assad out, Assad's son. He, he People freaked out. People were protesting in the streets, online. Like it was a big, it was a big deal. It was like pr- probably the first time that you'd ever seen an administration get told no by a country for wanting to go to war and having to do it because everyone wants to get reelected in Congress in the House, so they ve- they shut the president down. They wouldn't let him blast Assad. Yeah. <laughs> so Gaddafi. Who's now, he's got his oil money, but he, he can't trade with the rest of the world. So he's kind of fucked. Continues to deny that they attacked. He's mad at America. He wants to take America down. And then. Everything else that we know that's happened in the Middle East flares up and we're at a point again in time where after 9-11 and after we got rid of Saddam Hussein, where everyone fears the Middle East and the Middle East is in turmoil. Like, why don't we have any allies there? Who can we turn to? Well, once again, we reach out to Muammar Gaddafi. And the way it's done, to set an example for all other countries that we have sanctions on, North Korea, Iran, Gaddafi vows to destroy his nuclear arsenal, his biological weapons, and his chemical weapons. Do you know how many he has mm-hmm. zero oh, great. doesn't have any of those things. The closest he ever got to it was he ordered some implements to build a rocket. And the brightest engineers in his country could not figure out how to assemble it. Mm. So they gave up on it. That's like, a that's making a rocket. So he has to pretend. Yeah. Like me <laughs> and you trying to, yeah, he has to pretend that he's got this insane arsenal that he's throwing away. Letting the Americans destroy. Everyone knows he doesn't have it. So all these world politicians, Tony Blair, Obama, or I think it was actually George W. It's before Obama, George W, all the fucking world leaders give their speeches about how this is an example for the rest of the world. They had all these sanctions put on them. All they had to do was this one thing. Now the sanctions are lifted. The media is like, finally Libya is back in the league of civilized nations. Behind the scenes, they make Gaddafi admit to the terrorist attack that he didn't commit, pay restitution. So there's a clip of an interview with Gaddafi's son who's like, yeah we we didn't do it. They, they America said, "I want you to write a letter that says you're sorry for doing that and pay restitution. Then all the embassies will reopen, we'll lift all the sanctions. So he did it. Hmm. Why wouldn't he?: Yeah, he needed the money. Yeah. And on top of that, now Gaddafi is like a star again. And I talked about this on the dictator's thing. They let him like go around and tell like he's on TV shows and he's, he's talking to world leaders about what his idea to, to run the world the right way is. And he's retarded. He's dumber than fuck and none of it makes any sense. So everyone has to sit there and like pretend this guy knows what he's talking about. And you can visibly see that they're completely lost in what he's trying to convey. And then his own country decides, this sucks. And they ice him. Yeah. They drag him out in the street. Uh, He was on the run. He went and hid in sewers. They drug him out of the sewers. They beat him to death and shoved shit up his ass. Knifed him to death through his asshole. Hell yeah. (laughs) Me and uh, me and my wife watched a real fucking crazy Nicolas Cage movie that's based on a real story. It's called Army of One. Have you heard of it? No, dude. So it's you got to see it. It's fucking nuts. This really did fucking happen. So this guy who is on dialysis <clears throat> stops doing dialysis and fucking starts getting hallucinations that God's talking to him and God in the movie is Russell Brand is playing God. So so they fucking, he, God tells him that he has to go to the middle East and find Osama bin Laden before the U S government does. So he also at this time falls in love with this girl and is trying to do all this stuff and somehow talks his doctor into giving him money for a wedding band but this dude just buys a fucking sailboat because he thinks he's just going to sail to the Middle East to go get Obama or Osama bin Laden. And a bunch of shit fails. But he he ends up in the Middle East like multiple times, just cooked up with a samurai sword walking around, dude. Like, I got to check this out. <laughs> it's fucking awesome, man. All right. So kind of the point of this whole Middle East saga that I'm talking about is to illustrate – what was actually happening in the world. And there's a couple more elements that I'm gonna talk about that uh, flow into it. Again, this is Reagan era. It's happening everywhere around the world. World leaders are discussing it. They're exchanging information back and forth. They know that politics are over with. They wanna find a better way to manage things. So what the Reagan administration calls it is perception management. Perception management is the blurring of truth with the news media telling dramatic stories to either instill trust in the political process or just as good distrust in the political process. So you sit down and you hear an insane story about something that happened in America or anywhere in the world, doesn't matter if it's real or not. It just has to be dramatic. You focusing on that gives the politicians the opportunity to not really do anything. Yeah. And the government was going about that not just on this front, where, as you can see, that they would use Gaddafi over and over again as a, as a, a, a tactic in this. Like, they didn't give a fuck about the guy. He was no threat, nor was he a help but they could just use him as a pawn to get what they wanted out of the region. 1980s until present day, the largest uptick of UFO sightings of all time. Mm. Just so happens to fall within this pocket. Then you find out, do you know who Paul Benevitz is? Yeah, I've heard that name. I don't know. Okay, so basically what happened with the uptick in UFOs in America in the 1980s is the government itself wanted to take people and give them the idea that they saw an alien Mm. and let those people spread that message Yeah, and put it out as much as they can because... They were testing weapons undercover. And sometimes, even though it was late at night, elements of the weaponry that they were testing could be seen. They couldn't keep it completely under wraps. So someone reported it, which is exactly what happened to Paul Benevitz. He saw a UFO called 911. 911. Air Force shows up with the CIA, sit down and ask him what he saw. The CIA agent in this documentary is explaining exactly what he said to Paul Benefits, because they wanted people to believe in aliens. Mm. He goes, well, nice to meet you, Paul. Tell me what you saw. Paul describes it, shows him the video footage. He goes, whoa, man, that's crazy. You think that could be like an alien or a UFO or something from another planet? CIA agent to Paul. Yeah. So Paul goes, I was hoping it wasn't, but do things like that exist? The CIA goes, I mean, I've heard of aliens landing in America. So I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Paul. Have a nice life. Call us if you have any questions. Shit, and they use that example because that's all disclosed. That happened. Okay, it happened several times. Yeah. So is this is all part of Project Blue Book. Uh, c- kind of. Uh, again, this does a really good job of not diving into any conspiracy theories. Okay. Not okay. that Project Blue Book is—it's more of a conspiracy than a conspiracy theory. It really happened and is happening. Yeah. He doesn't name things like that and go the Alex Jones way and really hammer on stuff he just presents the information like look here's this big uptick he's got a bunch of compiled videos of UFO sightings and he's got a CIA agent on camera saying this is what I said to Paul and he's got Paul who went out into the world and did interviews and told people yeah the government said this could be a UFO hmm and just look at what's going on right now is what I'm tying this to yeah Never been more, you know, it's like the, they've, they've all but said there's aliens right now. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how the fucking Pentagon said that there could very well be a mothership in the universe, releasing smaller ships to come and explore earth. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds familiar with what we're talking about right now, right? Meanwhile, the same company that the United States government used to monitor the USSR and predict what certain movements they made meant, i.e., are they about to launch a nuclear weapon, this company designed computers for that. Same exab company invents what will be known as cyberspace. Mm. That is purchased by banks. The funniest thing about cyberspace is the entire principle of it is mod- modeled after LSD. So you take LSD and it feels like it's giving you a window into a, another thing that you can't quite grasp, but you can feel it's there. Like, you take acid and you look at the stars, it kind of looks like a cage. Yeah. So it's giving you... A key. Yeah. It, 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 it's showing you and allowing you to kind of mentally access another realm. So that's what they want to do with cyberspace. And they decide like, hey, we can have these computers communicate with one another, and you can kind of architect through code anything you want to in this. So banks immediately buy into it. This is where credit scores come from. So again, every world leader, every powerful person understands Politics aren't, they don't do anything anymore. It's meaningless. So how can you control people? Financially? Mentally? So the banks buy them. The same machines that were used to predict and monitor Soviet movements, upgrade them to take every customer in every bank and begin compiling Their credit information. So like before, which is funny because my grandpa will always bring shit like this up. Let's say I want to get credit. I'll just walk into a bank. I think I've made fun of him on this podcast for this exact thing when I was a kid. You got to make friends with the banker. Take your ass to the bank. You meet the bankers. You tell them who your parents are. You get close with them. You show them that you're a good person. You got a stable job. And then you ask them for a line of credit. And the bank looks at your bank account, how much money you normally have in it. And they decide like, okay, we can give you X amount of credit yeah. and you deal with them. Well, now they just found a way that every single bank can communicate through a computer with every single company that offers credit or a service that you're billed for. And now they can compile all that to come up with what they call a credit score. This did not exist. This was made up. Yeah. So it's not like one day, like when my grandparents were growing up, they didn't have a credit score. They went to the bank and they asked them to borrow money and they paid it back. And if they paid it back, the bank would make a note and say, they paid it back this fast. Let's offer them more money with X amount of interest. We keep the interest. That's not really nefarious. It's like, I don't have this much money. You have this much money because you can give it to me now. And I can't get it now. I'll pay you for that service interest. Yeah. But now they found the way to say, well, given your track record with these things, we've determined that your number is 500. So you're not trustworthy enough for us to give money to. Yeah. It takes a face that you don't have, There's no one you can talk to about it. You can't tell another human being I'm good for it, man. I just made some mistakes when I was young. I'm trying to get it fixed right now. You can tell people that and they just go, you know, I'm really sorry, but your credit score is this and we're not allowed to give you money until this happens. Yeah. And then also it drives people to buy more. Sure. Well, do you know what about credit scores? Well, it turns out that your credit score is not that high because you've only got a couple things. So why don't you have a credit card? Did you buy your car in cash? Have you ever thought about financing a car? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could do that right now. You could go down to a dealership and get a line of credit, and then your credit score will go from 500 to 600 if you pay that car off. And the fuck you can just do it online now? Yeah. Now. Yeah. But that's this is what they're coming up with. Yeah, yeah. And there's already hackers hacking into this thing. I, this is where I'm not the best for this sort of thing, is that... Uh, I remember the name of the hacker organization. These two dudes is called Fiber Optic. But I don't remember the guy's name that they kind of went to war with. So there was a dude. uh, He was like an animator. And he was doing like real basic shitty graphic design and animation. And his idea, and he was like writing about it too. So he's basically telling people that this new world, this cyber world is gonna give people essentially what they say the matrix is in the matrix. Like No matter where you come from, rich, poor, shitty country, nice country, doesn't matter in cyberspace. You're free to be who you wanna be. There's no one in charge of you. You can make your own life in there and you don't have to worry about politics and business and finances. And these two hackers, which is crazy that they already have those called fiber optic. Knew about what was going to become the internet. They knew what it was being developed for and what was really going on with it. So they, it, they are all over the place. They break into every single system. They report, which is cut off because there's no internet. This is the thing is like back then, if you find some shit out that you're not supposed to know and you want to tell somebody you can't go to the news because who pays their bills? Yeah. So they're not going to sit down and let you say, Hey, I know you heard about this cyber space and it sounds like a lot of fun, but what's really happening is that these people are figuring out ways to control your life and monitor you and know everything about what you do, where you go, how much money you have, It's not a playland. It's not a fun world. It's not what this guy's saying. They're talking to the other guy all the time. So they get charged with a bunch of shit. And this is how they kind of invent. They're like having to invent laws to regulate this. And they do several interviews, but it's like underground. Like, I have no idea how you would have accessed these things. Of course, Adam Curtis found them. But it's these hackers talking about like, yo, like we're in these systems and we're looking at them. And this is before they came out with a credit scores. They're like trying to warn people, like they know how much money you make, they know where you buy things, they know when you pay your bills, they know where you live, they know where you're at. Yeah, they're monitoring you. This is fucked. It's not fun animation. Like we got to cut this out. This is evil. This is what's coming. And then... They didn't stop, and then this is where I mean we're still back in the eighties, into the early nineties, and now I mean we've always known about AI because we've been familiar with the Terminator series, right? Yeah, but we never real like it wasn't a real thing, dude. You know what's fucked up though? Skynet is real. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, a real thing. Like I know it is, yeah. but we like to the average person, even like me. What I'm trying to get at is like now over the last year, we've all become super familiar with what's going on with AI, with like ChatGPT and all these fucking bots. And uh, like there, there was that one website we were laughing at where it was like horny bitches that will talk to you, but it's not real. You know, it's like a yeah. cyber girlfriend that they shut down because they were being too explicit. And dudes were, like, freaking out when they made them stop being... They, they couldn't talk about fucking anymore. Like, they changed the model of the website to where they, the thing couldn't be nasty. And all these dudes fucking spazzed out. Yeah. And were, f- like, threatening suicide and fucking going ape shit on the internet because they lost their fucking cyber sex partner. Oh, God. So they make this thing called Eliza. It's an A.I., and the reason they made it is because there's a, a problem going on already that hasn't changed, but they're aware of with taking SSRIs. It just, what the, the doctor talking about this Eliza thing describes it as is like, you know, you start taking SSRIs and it changes your, you know, neurological makeup to where sure, nothing bothers you, but you're a stranger. You're not yeah. the same person anymore. And so he wants to just, he's like, you know, the the problem with therapists is that they're human beings. So they, they'll judge you. They'll tell you things that you might not want to hear. You might be afraid to disclose some things with them. So he doesn't feel like it's like a comprehensive program. So they come up with this fucking Eliza shit and it's an AI where you can say whatever you want to, to it, and it'll formulate a response. So they want people to like tell it their problems. Like, here's how I feel today. Here's why I feel this way. And it's not judgmental. It's not combative. It basically just asks questions. Yeah. With, like, based on your question. So if you're like, why didn't my dad love me? It will be like, why do you think your dad didn't love you? And you'll be like, because he didn't do these things. And then it'll be like, well, why didn't he do these things? And so the people that are using it will willingly if allowed spend hundreds of hours talking to this thing Mm. and one of them said i love it because the same things i just said it's not judgmental you can say anything to it it doesn't criticize you it doesn't argue with you it doesn't posture to you it doesn't try to have sex with you you can have a real conversation with it it's not real and everyone knows it's not real yeah then this dude larry fink Loses a hundred million dollars in a stock market deal, becomes so obsessed with never losing money on a deal again that he enlists BlackRock to make this supercomputer called Aladdin. It's still running today. Its whole purpose is to predict the certainty of any risk or deal. To do that, it uses AI to monitor the world. And it doesn't only look at financial information. It looks at every event, every sale, literally everything going on digital in our entire world that processes that information and lets those who own Aladdin know where they should move their assets to. Since it's been made, His assets have grown to $15 trillion, which is 7% of the entire world's wealth. Mm. That's fucking nuts. It's still going. Shit. There's an insane commercial for Aladdin on this thing that I think is like only supposed to be seen if you work there. It's like all these people being like, I'm Aladdin and like telling like what they do for their job. And uh, dude, it's a nightmare and we're again we're talking about the late 80s and early 90s yeah so where we think that they're at now where we're seeing chat gpt and we're like holy shit dude yeah you can have this they got better shit but yeah dude i mean they're they're monumentally ahead of where we're at and we're all we are is just and and what i'm trying what he's illustrating and what i'm trying to do a good job illustrating uh is all the things that we're seeing, if you're getting the pattern here, we're seeing through a lens that's being filtered by media, government, people with money. We're not getting the accurate information. There, because, and there, there isn't accurate information anymore. Yeah. The whole world, in every country, in every corner is just a deception to make you believe what's convenient for those who have the most amount of money to believe. Yeah. I mean, we live in an algorithm. Yeah. Like we don't have, you know, we're fucking land of the free home of the brave. Like we don't have autonomy and freedom the way we think we do. No. And I was saying that before I I rewatched this a couple of weeks ago, it's like, you can feel like the most lawless motherfucker, but you're still buying clothes to look a certain way. Sure. You're still eating certain things. Like you're, you just, you don't have total autonomy. And some of that stuff seems innocent and innocuous, but it's all by design. And that's what kind of stings about it. Yeah. Is that we're so far gone. There's just no way out. Yeah, you can't get out of it. It's the matrix, but it's not, we don't live in a simulation. We live in an architecture that these people hand off to their next generation and the next group of people affiliated with them. And they're a generation ahead of us with their bullshit. So we have no way to catch up and filter through like what is the real thing going on here? It's like aliens right now. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you can say, like, well, it's probably just the government fucking with us. Or it could be aliens coming from outer space. Like, we don't have a way to yeah. to go find out. Yeah. But Occam's Razor is probably the government fucking with us. True. Sure. They probably got some shit going on. Someone out there's probably got these fucking super drones that can literally bend space and time. Yeah. And they, you know, are impossible. And then when naval pilots see them on radar, they don't know how to process the information. And so they film it and then the film comes out. And so instead of the government panicking and going, Holy shit, they found our secret drone. They tell the pilot, like, I don't know what that is. Maybe you should go forward. Yeah. Show the world what you saw because we don't have an answer for it. It's definitely a UFO. UFO doesn't necessarily mean aliens, but we don't know what that is. Yeah. It's the perfect way to hide what you're up to. It's like you take a shit on the floor and you have four dogs in your house. Your wife comes home and steps in your shit. She's like, who did this? Well, she's not even looking at you in the first place. She's looking at the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, Phew. I don't know which one of these assholes did it, but it's definitely their shit. So oh. you can take it up with them. Yeah. Same pull in the wool. And like, there's so many facets of this that we know about and we accept. Like the weapons of mass destruction. You know, 9 11 happened. And we were all Team America again. But what was going on in the media leading up to 9-11? Almost every fucking blockbuster movie that came out from the mid-90s to before 9-11 was a disaster movie. And in the disaster movies were these giant towers getting wiped out. Independence Day, Armageddon. Yeah. Fuck crazy. And then 9-11 happens. And we're like, okay, we know who did this. We know who's funding them. There's a bigger threat out there. We got to go to Iraq now, not just get Osama bin Laden, but we got to go to Iraq and take out their weapons of mass destruction. What were the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? Well, the intel that we got that we used to roll with it said that they were tiny glass spheres filled with uh, neurologically debilitating gas that when the spheres break and the gas gets out, it eats people from the inside out. Does that sound familiar at all? Anthrax. No. Was it anthrax? No. It is a scene from the movie The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. Yeah. So an intelligence agent made this up. He watched The Rock and took that scene and sent it in. And that's what we were like, let's roll. Yeah, yeah. That, literally. They have the, like, the, you can look at the report. And you can see where they recused him for that. And we still did it. Mm. It works out for them. Drama. Fear, deception, just ain't real anymore, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 They got everybody tricked into hating each other. Yeah. And then they wrapped the whole thing up with, uh, you know, the one thing that I didn't like. And look, again, before I say it for the 900th time, I'm not a political guy. I'm not a pro-Trump guy. It's just what always happens is someone comes along. And they try to make him look like a piece of shit. And then I watch the thing that's supposed to make him look like a piece of shit. And I go, God damn, this guy rocks. Yeah. Every time. So he paints Trump through this whole thing. The first thing you see about the guy in the documentary is, you know, his dad gave him a bunch of money. His dad was rich. But the way that he made most of his money is... New York City was like dilapidated so Trump offers to come along and buy up all these blown out shitbox high rises and remake them into luxury properties Yeah. and in order for him to be willing to do that he, gets a, he has to get a tax break on this so he basically breaks even like he's going to spend the money to buy them but then he's going to get such a big tax break from New York State to the tune of $150 million that it doesn't cost him anything to build this shit yeah That's step one, which sure, that kind of sucks, but that doesn't make me like go fuck Trump. Then second thing that comes up about Trump, apparently his business is having a bad time. People are turning on him. Uh, He is like a business guy this time. And the first thing they're like, he's even his wife, Ivanka, hates him because he's cheating on her with 1985 Mrs. Hawaiian Tropic, who's so hot. Yeah. You're like, yeah, but it's not great to cheat on your wife, but come on, dude. (laughs) Yeah. As a dude, I'm supposed to look at this guy getting hot pussy and be like, this piece of shit. What a scumbag. (laughs) And then uh so it's like casinos are are not doing great, I guess. And he's asking people for help already to get more money to keep his shit afloat so he can like hit a next cycle. And this fucking Japanese gambler comes in. And crushes his casino and wins millions of dollars. So he calls this firm in Japan and is like, how do I? I need help. How do I get this motherfucker out of my life? Like the dude has been there for months and is just cleaning him out on every game. And he's got some, the dude has some method, but it's like not illegal. So he can't just boot him out or whatever. So this dude in Japan is like, here's what you do. You, You come up with a high stakes game that there's no way he can win. And you challenge him to it. So you got to stop falling asleep. You're just passing out. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you challenge him to it. He can't say no. And you'll win your money back. That works. The dude sits there 24 hours a day for five days and loses $10 million. Shit. But then coincidentally, the guy goes back to Japan to get the $10 million, And the accuser cuts his body into tiny pieces. Shit. Which, you know, that's the type of help that Trump probably really wanted anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Trump files bankruptcy on a few things and and comes out fine on that. And he kind of pivots from being like a legitimate business guy to more of a figure. Like, you know, celebrity tycoon type of motherfucker is what they call him. And the next thing you see about him is when they're talking about George W. Bush and everybody bragging about Gaddafi and Trump is calling into fucking Fox news. And he's like, this guy sucks. I hate the way that America treats these pieces of crap. Everyone wants to do good for these guys. We, we got to be ruthless to these guys. They're bad guys. You know, we're bending over backwards for him. These guys are bad. You know what I, I talked to, you know what I did to Gaddafi? You want to hear what I did to Gaddafi? You, Gaddafi's coming to America to talk and he needs property to stay on. But he wants to put his, t- his stupid tent up somewhere. So he wants to get into this property, just so happens to be my property. So I cut a deal with him. I charged Gaddafi for one day what the property was worth for two years, okay? And I didn't even let him stay there. I hate to say it, but I screwed him. I screwed him over. That's what I did. I screwed him. And that's what we got to do to these people. Yep. It's like. That's supposed to be bad, like that yeah. rocks, dude. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. hilarious. And then it's cutting into you know the whole wrap of this thing, which sucks because he, he this kind of I don't know who knows. You probably look at it a different way than me. And again, politically, whatever. You know, Trump's in jail right now. The world's What's crazy. What out? What I don't you know. Not. He's got you know he's not going to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the that all that shit's going on, and like, dude. I know he's a bad person. It's just he's yeah. constantly hilarious. So I can't I've t- I've explained this point enough, or hopefully you're with me on this. And I think it kind of dampens his documentary because like he makes these this super profound point of like, I mean, he, he does kind of drive it home with Trump. But I think Trump is like maybe one of the things that snuck through that wasn't supposed to. Yeah. And because then he goes to show, but what he's basically trying to illustrate is like, look at what we're dealing with right now, and you can see how it's all a sham. It's all a setup. Like the, the all the drama you're watching isn't real. Which I agree with that. Like everything you're watching in presidential debates and a race up to an election, none of that shit's real. Yeah. But the the problem with Trump and that whole thing was is that he was telling you that. And so he shows the clip where Trump's like, he's getting grilled by the mediator. And The mediator's like, just two years ago, Donald, you said that you don't believe in American politics. It's completely, it's totally corrupt. What changed? He's like, nothing changed. That's, that's what I believe. He's, like, I've given money to every single person on this stage. Every one of them I've given money to. And you know what? They hate me. they hated me then. They hate me now. But when they called and they asked for money for their campaign or their dinner or their fundraiser, I said, hell yes. And then you know what happened when I needed a favor? I called them. They had to say yes because they wanted my money. So I use them and I'll continue to use them. And that's what's wrong with this country. Yeah. This is the guy that's the piece of shit that we're supposed to hate. Now he is a piece of shit. Yeah. And he's worthy of hate but he's right. And the worst part about this in taking, this is the end. I promise. So you can do something to get your brain back on before we do Patreon. Yeah. Uh, that's like middle management. You're watching two assistant managers fight with each other. It doesn't matter. They could come out tomorrow. And if they tell you guys announcement, We're fucked. We're not fucked, but you're fucked. Because you live in a financial oligarchy. Not just here, but everywhere in the world. There's nothing you can do about it. If that happens, that means there are already 10 plays ahead for the next whatever they're fucking swinging in. Which is probably AI. I mean, we're probably going to be in some sort of fucking matrix. I mean, there's probably going to be a point in time, hopefully not within our lifetime, where you can just plug in and live an entire life through simulation And check out of this entire process. Yeah. It's coming. It's close. And that's ideal. Because again, all of this roots back into we're a commodity for somebody. Our life to somebody somewhere is worth some dollars. Yep. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad or feel like that's all we are. That's all we are to some people. Because they're the, guys, they're the people making money off of us. Insurance, taxes, gas, food. People are cashing in on us left and right. They're cashing in on the stuff they're cashing in on. They know how to sell us things. There's a constant barrage. There's always new things you want, new things you have to have. It'll never stop. Never go away. So, as you can also see in this documentary... There's one thing you can control. You. That's it. No one else? Nothing else. You'll never make a difference politically. It doesn't matter how much you try to get people on your side. Everyone could be on your side. But if your side's not the side that continues to plug money into where money needs to be plugged into, they're not gonna win. Yeah. I mean, I remember like the only time I've ever given a fuck politically, for whatever fucking reason, it started with Ron Paul. Yeah. And I never, like, I already understood, like, okay, there's only really two political parties. They're both, they, to me, both, they both suck. I'm young. I don't know anything. I'm probably 20 at the time. I don't know anything. But I know this sucks, because I listen to punk. And I know that this whole thing is bad. And Ron Paul comes along. And his whole thing is, listen, no more foreign presence for America. We don't need to be involved in anyone else's problems. We need to take care of this country. There's a billion problems here that we gotta fix. Let's minimize the government. Let's give you more control of your life. Let's let state governments control every state, cut the federal government out, That all sounded sick to me. Yeah. Then you just saw that there was no way that could ever happen. And then Bernie Sanders came along. He wants everybody to be in a level playing field. If you're born a billionaire or you're born in the worst part of the worst town to the worst people, you should have an equal chance. That's literally what the country is founded upon. Every yeah. man's equal. Didn't come out that way. That's the idea, though. We shouldn't be paying for college. These other countries don't charge for college. We shouldn't be paying for healthcare. Look at all these other countries that you don't pay for health care. Do their systems suck? Yeah, but we're America. We'll do it better. We'll look at what's wrong with Canada's healthcare system. It's free for everybody. Everyone has access to it. But their shit's all fucked up, so the healthcare sucks. But our healthcare doesn't suck. We'll do it the right way. We'll help people go to school without having to worry about the financial burden of it and get them into better positions in life, no matter what age they are. Like all these things sound great. Yeah. Do I think they can be obtained or solved or anything? No. All the other stuff he said, I don't know enough about, but those things struck me hard enough where I was like, for the first time in my life, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for this motherfucker. And then, and he was also like Trump in that, I mean, you know, the dude had been around forever. Like he marched with Martin Luther King and he was in politics at that time. Yeah. He's been around. He's in, he is part of the system. Trump's not, but he's saying the same type of thing. Like I work with these people. This system is corrupt. This is what they do. They don't read the laws. They get paid by these corporations. They sign anything they want them to sign. They don't know what they're bringing into existence. And we end up with a fucking mess. We need to be taking care of people and not doing this bullshit. That's great in my mind. He's saying Hillary Clinton's bad. Here's why she's bad. Here's the receipts. This guy's bad. Here's why he's bad Here's the receipts I worked with them I watched what they did Pay attention to what I'm saying Vote for me Because I want to change it And then he loses the election And then he endorses Hillary Yeah The fuck Yeah That's the last time I could be bothered to care You know what I'm saying Yeah It's like you like that. That was the last glimmer of hope where I heard somebody say something that made so much sense. And he probably is a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Probably a horrible person. He's a lifelong politician. And it's not just because he didn't win or because he endorsed Hillary. It's just the point of realization in my life where I understood no matter what you want to happen what you think's best for the world and what however many other people that feel the same way think's best for the world you're not in control you don't have any way to overturn the future you have no say <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter yeah so fuck it focus on yourself that's all you can do that's yeah. all i'm saying yeah yeah Everybody can be bought and everybody can be sold. Sure. It's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll take the Banger TV deal and say that every Century Media prosthetic records Yeah. whatever big label album comes out, I won't give them less than three stars and I'll at least say that it halfway rocks from here to eternity for that type of money. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, I'll lay it all down. (laughs) Somebody wants to buy this podcast, dude. (laughs) Fucking Whatever you want, chief. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not the guy. Uh, And the last thing to say about this is like none of I've known about all these things. Hypernormalization really drives it home. If you feel the same way that I do, if you're more of, I guess what I would call a realist, I don't consider myself to be like pessimistic in any way. It's just the reality of what, happens yeah uh it didn't affect me negatively and i hope it doesn't affect any of you negatively i really just hope the message you take out of this is like take control of your life because that's all you got nothing else yep and once you realize the key to happiness is going to patreon.com backslash death metal detectives and donating five dollars a month for our extra episodes you'll finally be enlightened enough to break through. Mm. Nope. So all right, motherfuckers. Thanks for listening. Hopefully I didn't fucking bore you to tears. And uh, I don't know, you know, if you feel like getting the gun and just blasting. All right. Well, talk to you next week. (laughs)